Hello and welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and Emdi. And today we'll be talking to Jay, former psychologist and now full-time writer who has penned various books on women loving women. Hi, um, my name or my pen name is Jay. Um, I'm a full-time writer and I write romances across pretty much all subgenres. And they all have in common that they feature characters who are women who are attracted to other women. So some of them are lesbian women, some are bisexual, pansexual, and um, one is asexual. And on your on your website, you have a biography, and we saw that you used to be a psychologist. <laughs> If there's such a thing as former <laughs> psychologist, <laughs> yeah. then I am one, yeah. So how did you decide to make the switch from psychology to full-time writing? To be honest, writing has always been my dream job, but growing up, no one tells you that it's an option because um, artists in general and writers maybe in particular have this reputation of being starving artists. And so it's not really encouraged and it wasn't encouraged in my family at least. So I never really saw it as an option. So I became a psychologist instead. Um, not that I didn't like it, but writing would, would have been my first choice. So, and then later when I switched to a different publisher and the ebook revelation happened, my book started selling, I realized that it might actually be an option to make a living as a writer. You've obviously, you've written a lot of books and, and we've sadly haven't had the time to, to read any of them, mm -hmm. but we read through the, um, the synopses. How do you come up with your stories? Is it based off of anything or do you, um, do you draw inspiration from real life people? It's different for, for every book. Um, most of all, it starts with the characters. Um, and it's hard to say where the ideas even come from. Um, so I, I start with a character and, and a very basic idea of who the character is, what her living situation might be. And then I create the other character as someone who is, on the one hand, a good fit for that person, but who's also different enough so that they can help each other grow and overcome obstacles and maybe um, weaknesses um, that they have to overcome in order to then deserve the happy ending because okay. they're all romances. So that's uh, the usual structure. You said you were or you still are a psychologist because it's not something that we stop being. Uh, how does uh, inform or, um, your work? I, do, I think it in, informs it very much because, as I said, I start with the characters and Before I even write one word of the story, I do intense character work. I, I create a whole biography for my characters. I know what kind of family they grew up in, what circumstances made them who they are today, how they changed during the course of the book. And like a book is a little like therapy mm -hmm. um, in that people are confronted with things that maybe they don't want to be confronted with and, and then they have to work on it and to overcome it in order to have a more fulfilled life. Also probably um, makes it that you are more aware of the impact of your books on, your, uh, on the reader. Yeah, I think so. Also the contact with my readers is, is important to me and I get emails that are really, really touching, in particular for books like... Um, Perfect Rhythm, which has an asexual main character, and I get a lot of 
email thanking me for writing that book um, because readers so rarely see themselves reflected in books, readers who are on the A spectrum. So I'm very aware of what it means to them and what kind of responsibility, even as fiction writers, we sometimes have mm -hmm. to represent people and to make them feel that there are other people like them out there. And um, how did you uh, reach the decision to also produce audiobooks alongside the paperbacks and the mm -hmm. e-books? That was a decision that was um, made by my publishing house. Um, I'm with a publisher that is based in Germany um, and who publishes books mainly in English, but also in German and in a couple of other languages. Ilva Publishing. Audiobooks are becoming more and more popular with readers. I think it's just another medium that uses time that normally you can't use to read, um, like on your commute or while you're doing the dishes. So it's really getting popular. Um, and I myself, I'm also getting into audiobooks as a reader. Um, so I thought it was a wonderful chance to introduce more readers to my books. In terms of perfect rhythm and, you know, writing a story with an asexual character in it, a romance with an asexual character in it, how did you do your research for that, for that story? Um, mostly I had a lot of long conversations with people who are on the A spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, a very close friend of mine is actually asexual and she was the inspiration, the reason why I set out to write this book because fiction with asexual characters is where fiction about lesbian and bisexual main characters was a couple of decades ago. So mainly it doesn't exist and if it exists, most of the asexual characters are just minor characters and oftentimes very stereotypical, like the the geeky nerd character who is just there for making fun of. Um, and a lot of people haven't even heard of asexuality and what it is. So I set out to educate myself and then to educate my readers about it. Um, and I read everything that I could get my hands on which isn't that much. <laughs> um, there's maybe two nonfiction books. Um, one is written more from an academic um, point of view and the other from someone who is asexual. I was in, in forums for and about asexual people a lot and just talked to people and about their experiences because I think the most important thing you have to realize about asexuality is that it's a spectrum just like sexuality in general is a spectrum, asexuality also is a spectrum. So there's so many different experiences and kinds of people within that spectrum that you can't say this is the asexual experience and this is the only way to portray it. And you have to really create a character, make, make her consistent with her backstory and her experience of what it means to be asexual. So you also, um, I mean, you write about bisexual characters and it's by positive <laughs> podcast. Mm -hmm. I was wondering for you what the main challenge was in writing, uh, writing bisexual characters. Um, the main challenge for me, um, I identify as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So for me, the challenge is to not, it's, it's still a romance between women, but it's even if it's a woman is with another woman, she's still bisexual. And so not to neglect that part of her identity and um, like I just finished a book where one of the um, main characters is pansexual and I had to 
consciously remind myself not to forget that there might also be men that she's attracted to. And just to mention it in a sentence or two, that, that can be a challenge, yeah. Mm. It's not difficult, but I have to consciously remind myself to do it. Yeah, I suppose it's part of the preparation also, like, uh, exchanging with bisexual uh, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, like, I think it's always good if you write anything that is outside of your personal experience to always have sensitivity readers and beta readers who are part of that group and who can tell you this is actually not correct or it's what you write is correct, but you're missing things that someone with that background would actually find normal for her everyday life. Mm. So do you rely heavily on people like that who help you out and help you flesh yeah. out the story? Yeah, I would never write a book without a beta readers first because my native language isn't English and mm -hmm. most of my books are set in the US. So yeah. I want it to read like a book that is actually, if it's about American characters, I need my American beta readers Sometimes the characters have a kind of job that I'm not too familiar with or it's set in a city where I've never been or any aspect of the character or the, or the book um, are outside of my personal experience. Then I always have at least one or two people um, read it and give feedback. And so do you write your books originally in English and then translate them into German or how does yeah. that work? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people find it a little weird that I as a German would do it that way, but... To me, it makes more sense um, because it's always easier to translate from your your second language into your native language than the other way around. So you do your own your, you do your own translations. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I'm really grateful that I can do that um, because a lot of my my books are dialogue heavy and there's a lot of humor and banter in them, and humor oftentimes doesn't translate. Yeah, because it's it's based on on a double meaning that a word has, and then suddenly you realize, oh, that doesn't work, mm. because that word in the other language doesn't have that second meaning, and so you have to think of another way to get the joke across that is completely different. And if you translate word for word, it just doesn't work. And humor is very cultural as well in general. So yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. I mean, okay, it, it might be a little bit of a personal question, but um, so for you, you, I mean, you, you write about um, sapphic and uh, <laughs> fiction and uh, uh, something that is uh, close to you. Um, do you think that writing in English plays a role in that, that, there's a, that it would change something for you to write directly in German? I'm not sure it would change anything. At this point, it would feel very strange. Mm -hmm. um, because my brain just switches into English completely when I'm writing fiction. I'm not sure at this point if it would change anything other that I'm not used to it. Um, but luckily, I, I live in a very accepting surrounding. My family is supportive. My, my circle of friends is supportive. And they're even supportive, even so some of them can't read my books in English. So they have to wait until mm -hmm. they can read them in German. But I, I wouldn't say that it would change a lot. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it's... Uh... Between the context of my question, I mean, you probably uh, got it, but for our, our listener, that um, it's something that we encounter actually with our clients, uh, queer clients, who are a lot more comfortable talking about queer topics and themselves in that uh, regard in English rather yeah. than in their first language. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was just talking to a friend who's also a German writer writing in English, and I just finished translating an erotic short story 
I was trying to translate the word strap on into German. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my God, it's not in our main dictionary, but usually people say strap on in German too, at least my generation and younger. <laughs> and the older generation maybe have like a German word for it that sounds completely unsexy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it has its challenges, yeah. And for, for those who are not familiar with, with your writing, do you have a favorite book you would want to want your readers to start with? Oh, I have many, many favorite books. Um, it's like asking a mother to pick a favorite child. <laughs> um, it depends on what they like to read. Um, for someone who likes contemporary romance, a lot of them start with Damage Control, mm -hmm. which is a, a romance between a woman who is a famous actress and thinks she's straight, suddenly rumors show up that um, she's not straight and she insists that she is and hires a PR agent to prove it and then unfortunately falls in love with that PR agent who is a woman. <laughs> um, so it doesn't work out. Um, Perfect Rhythm is one of my per per personal favorites, I would say. For someone who likes historical fiction, um, I would say Backwards to Oregon. Um, which is about a character who nowadays you would probably say um, they're non-binary or trans, but back in 1850s that term didn't exist, so of course she doesn't refer to herself that way, um, mm -hmm. but basically um, she's a woman who lives a life as a man. Mm -hmm. And of course, cultural aspects play a role because back then women couldn't vote, women, women couldn't own land, they couldn't do anything, basically. Yeah, or if they want romantic suspense, then I would say uh, go with Conflict of Interest, which is um, a story about a detective who falls in love with one of the victims in one of her cases. Okay, and so where do you draw the inspiration for like historical fiction? Because you do, you, you said you write a lot of books that are set in the U.S. You recently mm. uh, wrote another one that was actually set in Germany, which was kind of a first for you. Yeah. So what what happens in your process? When do you decide to, where and how do you decide to set the story? I think after I pick my characters. Um, for example, historical fiction is set on the Oregon Trail in the 1850s, um, in the time when people moved from the East Coast to the Wild West. Yeah, that story wouldn't work anyplace else. Hmm. Um, so kind of the decision was already made for me. With others, like the, the Paper Log is my first book that is set in Germany. And it's about a stationary geek who works in a stationary store and she gets a new boss, a temporary boss who doesn't like stationery and who doesn't get it, why someone would still write with pen and paper. And that one worked better for me in Germany because I think stationery stores still have a different um, role in Germany than they do in the US, where it's more like the big chain stores like Staples. So it all depends on the characters, on the plot, and then I choose the bigger fit. Yeah, so I could see myself set stories pretty much anywhere in the world if it would work better for the story I'm trying to tell. And as a as a queer fiction writer, was it difficult for you to find a publisher who would take you on? And did it take a long time for you to actually start publishing? Actually, it was surprisingly easy. Um, I, I 
I didn't really set out to get published. I was my first book was published 12 years ago, and that and I only started writing in English a year before that. So my confidence wasn't at a in a place where I was setting out to send my work to publishers. I had been writing for a long time by then, but only one year in English. So I thought, oh my God, all the native speakers, they write so much better than I do. And I would never have had the courage to send my manuscript to publishing houses. And then one of my beta readers, um, who, who is an American and reads a lot and had some insight into pub the publishing industry, she said, no, your work is just as good. Just try it. You don't have anything to lose. Um, and yeah, and I finally gave in and just sent it out to a, an American publisher um, who specialized in mainly lesbian fiction. Yeah, within a week, I, I had a confirmation that they do want to publish the book. Five years later, um, Ilva Publishing was um, established. The German company that I'm publishing with right now, Astrid, the publisher, is an acquaintance of mine. And I really like the way that she set up her business and her focus on quality and not trying to cut corners by not having good editors. And they really try to bring out quality fiction with good covers and good formatting and good editing. And that's what I wanted from my publishing career. Plus, it gave me the chance to translate my own books into German and have them out for my German readers, too. And so I, I switched and that was very painless too. So I, I think I'm really lucky. It's not often the experience of people. Um, some get a lot of rejections before they get anything accepted. But I was really lucky in that regard. And when it comes to other writers, do you find it difficult in general to find good quality queer fiction? It's a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. As with pretty much every fiction, maybe queer fiction has a problem a little more because we come from a place where everyone was really happy to find any queer fiction. Yeah. And so the most important thing was that it has queer char characters and maybe a happy ending. And if there were a lot of typos or some plot holes, readers were a lot, lot more forgiving. I personally think we need to grow away from that. Um, we need to measure queer fiction with the same standards as we would mainstream fiction, because what otherwise happens is that readers try a book and think, oh my God, this is horribly written, this is not edited, and they never, never touch another book, and they stay with mainstream fiction. Mm. I, I've talked to readers who, who only recently discovered um, lesbian and queer fiction, and they said like they read one book 20 years ago, never touched anything again, until now. Um, so it's... I think in, in the best interest of everyone, um, if if we can raise the standards. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's good and bad in, in queer fiction too. There's wonderfully written, wonderfully edited and fiction. And then there's fiction where you feel like, what's the author trying to say? I don't understand it because nothing makes sense. And there's 25 spelling mistakes on every page and the formatting is horrible and the cover looks like someone did it in paint. Um, it, there's the whole spectrum. You mentioned that you, um, you interacted a lot with your, um, with your readers. Um, do you, I mean, is there any 
specific story you could share of the the impact of of your books on 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 your readers? Yeah, I got not one email, but at least five or so from people who read Perfect Rhythm yeah. and who sent me an email and said, oh my God, I read this book and finally my life makes sense. Um, they All their lives, they thought there's something wrong with them. They are broken. They are abnormal. And now they, they read this book and find these characters just like them and they understand that they are asexual and they never encountered that term because asexuality is what's referred to as the invisible sexual orientation. So it's not mentioned anywhere and most people never come across it. And so they, they have all these assumptions about themselves because they don't see themselves represented anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, others um, already identified as asexual, but we're very happy that finally they are not represented as an alien or the mass murderer or like the the geeky character who isn't interested in sex but just an everyday person who has a full life and has maybe even romantic interests but who just doesn't experience sexual attractions mm-hmm. and is there any other character that uh, you readers uh, related to like more that you had maybe more feedback about? I get feedback for pretty much all the novels <laughs> I have out. I think everyone um, identifies with someone else a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, I have, for example, Something in the Wine is a novel about, it's my first contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. And it's a novel about a very, very introverted woman. And that resonated a lot with many of my readers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just to finish up, what what do you think is in, in the future for queer fiction? Where do you think it's headed? Huh, that's a good question. It depends on a lot of things. Um, big players like Amazon have a huge impact. Mm. Um, things like Kindle Unlimited. Um, if you know what it is, it's like a flat rate for fiction um, that had a huge impact um, since we talked about quality. Um, it kind of lowered the prices for queer fiction and it it formed people's opinion on what is a normal price mm-hmm. for queer fiction. So I think we have to be careful not to set readers' expectations in a way that they think a novel is only worth 99 cents um, because that would mean we cannot pay for good editing. Mm-hmm. So that's the direction I hope we are not going. Mm-hmm. What I definitely think um, will be more important in the future is audiobooks. This has um, made huge steps. I see a lot of um, queer fiction coming out in audiobooks in, in the last year or so. Silver Publishing will have 17 audiobooks out this year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a huge step. Um, from the last year uh, so that's a, that's definitely a trend that I'm seeing and what I hope that will happen is that like I said the quality will reach the level where books about queer characters are just as good as books about heterosexual characters yeah and hopefully better <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah and more diverse you know um, oftentimes Queer fiction is very centered on romance and um, 
that's great for me. I write romances, but um, there's also a lot of lot of other great fiction out there. There's mysteries. There's um, all kinds of books, fantasy, science fiction, paranormal, and you you already see a lot more diversity than like ten years ago. Yeah. And, and just another question because I can't help but wonder: um, Do you have um, do you have feedback from straight? or cis and straight readers? Oh yeah, I, I have all kinds of readers. I have male readers, I have straight readers, um, readers who are 85, readers who are 15, and everything in, in between, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I was, I was going to, I was thinking when you said that you had to be, you know, better, mm -hmm. that maybe we, it has to be excellent or better uh, than the average uh, straight, uh, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. romance to attract, attract uh, straight readers. Yeah. But it's great to hear that uh, that the people are ready for that because, you know, I had a little bit of... Um, my reaction was disbelief, like, yeah, straight people won't, will say they can't relate and we're going to, uh, you know... But it's, yeah. but it's actually cliché and, and it might not be true at all. Yeah, I think it's for many of them... They wouldn't search it out, mm. and that's understandable. Um, but if they come across a novel um, and they think, "Oh, this sounds interesting," um, I think there's especially with younger people, they would be like, "Oh yeah, why not try?" And for you know the aspiring writers out there who may be listening, uh, who want to see themselves represented in fiction, who want to represent other people who, whose voices aren't being heard, what would be your advice? Either write a story yourself, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, if you have any interest in writing, or just reach out to writers you know and like, ask if they would be interested and offer your services as a beta reader. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for talking to us. We will absolutely link your website and the books that we discussed in the description to this episode, and we hope to have it up in a couple of weeks. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for talking to us. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode. Please check out Jay's website and also follow us on all social media as well as SoundCloud and iTunes. Until next week. Bye. Bye.